Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Kate Sosin isn't especially conflicted about being trans. Being trans to me is my favorite thing about myself. I love being trans. Um, it's like the best. Like you, I mean, you just see the world in such a better way, I think. Kate's a reporter with the 19th, goes by they, them pronouns. And Kate's got this great way of talking about being non-binary. So many of us, uh, without realizing it, are like sitting on a conveyor belt, <laughs> like of gender, right? Like um, we put on the clothes that are in the aisles that we're told to walk through, right? Like I just love the ways that being trans has opened the world to me. It's gender is so such a rigid social construct, right? Like men um, have been denied access to their emotions. You know, women have been denied the right to work or get paid fairly. When you are non-binary trans like I am, you don't have to operate from all of those set of prescriptions. But as much as Kate loves who they are, they acknowledge it's a pretty weird time to be a trans reporter. Kate covers lawmaking around LGBTQ plus issues. And just last week, Kate watched as Donald Trump did an extended riff on the dangers of trans kids in sports at the Conservative Political Action Conference. And this was just after the first trans person to have a Senate confirmation hearing got grilled by Republicans. Now, Kate's tracking the way state legislatures are trying to spin this animus into rules around who's allowed to do what in this country. Kate says the funny thing is, while plenty of politicians are talking about people like them, very few politicians are talking to people like them. I have in the past talked to Republican lawmakers in state legislatures about these kinds of bills, and they've just been a little bit awkward, um, to be honest. I think it's a really strange thing for people to have these conversations with the realization for the first time that they're talking to someone in mainstream media who is transgender, because all of a sudden it, it's no longer this fringe issue. Kate keeps showing up in these state legislatures anyway. Showing up is important. Kate realized that last year when South Dakota took up bills that would limit the kind of health care trans kids could get and the kind of sports they could play. So these kids basically got on a bus with their parents and went to the Capitol to talk to their lawmakers before this committee hearing. And I, I, I flew to South Dakota and I, I got on the bus with them and I went and there was a 16-year-old who was traveling alone um, named Elliot. Elliot was trans and he knew his representatives supported these kinds of bills. So when he got off the bus, he tracked his senator down. You know, there's this big lawmaker just sitting at his desk being like, well, thank you for coming to talk to me. And it's like, that ended up being what killed the bill. And this sounds like a success. 
But Kate could see this advocacy came at a cost. At one point, Elliot told Kate, I wish I wasn't trans. And he was like, it's just like, I don't want to be here. Like, I don't want to have to do this. Like, I, it's hard enough to be a teenager. And to see a trans kid because of this be like, I wish I wasn't who I am. Um, it just really, um, that bill failed, but it also succeeded in really harming these kids. And there's there are more anti-trans bills again this year in South Dakota. Like it's not over for these kids, right? They're doing this year after year after year. Today on the show, all around the country, anti-trans legislation is spreading. And kids like Elliot are having to show up and try to stop it. So where are these bills coming from? And do any of them stand a chance of succeeding? I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next? Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. By Kate's count, this year there are 184 anti-LGBTQ measures in state houses across the country. 65 of those are anti-trans bills. They're showing up in places like Alabama, Montana, Georgia. Many of the lawmakers behind these bills have taken a two-pronged approach in case one bill goes down. Oftentimes, what we'll see in legislatures is these two bills. One is will be a trans youth health care ban, and the other will be the sports bill. In most of these states, you know, we're seeing like this dual pursuit. It's so hard to keep up with both of them because... There's just so many of them, right? And and so you'll see one fail and then you'll be like, okay, that's fine. And then another one pops up or a more extreme version pops up. For example, like Alabama now has one that actually criminalizes kids for playing on sports. Um, Yikes. So they would be potentially jailed, like 13-year-olds for playing on a sports team. A lot of these bills have a single source, a legal advocacy group called the Alliance Defending Freedom. So the Alliance Defending Freedom is a long-standing, extreme anti-LGBTQ group. Um, they're labeled a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. And to give you a sense of why, um, for a number of years, they've claimed that LGBTQ people are pedophiles. And they've advocated for the forced sterilization of transgender people in the European Court of Human Rights in 2015. They are probably as extreme in their stance on queer people as you can get. And they often are behind a lot of these bills. You've pointed out that they actually like created a website where you can like just point and click and out pops a bill. Yeah. So they have teamed up with the Heritage Foundation, Family Policy Alliance, also anti-LGBTQ groups and like statewide groups. 
And you can actually just enter as if you were to like, you know, sign up for a mailing list. Like I want anti-trans legislation. Here's my name. Here's my district. You know, send me a bill on sports and they will generate a bill for you. To me, when I look at these bills, they seem like nonsense. But it's interesting to look at the arguments that anti-trans groups are making and sort of see the DNA of previous movements, movements that have been more successful. Like I look at these sports bills, which are sort of the newest iteration of anti-trans legislation, and they really tap into this zero-sum dynamic, this idea that a trans person could replace your child on the sports team. It, it like reminds me of the argument that an immigrant could come take your job. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so easy to fear the thing we don't know, right? Like I thought about this so much when we saw Rand Paul questioning Dr. Rachel Levine for her confirmation hearing to HHS. Dr. Rachel Levine would be the first trans person appointed to HHS. Yes. Right? Yes. To a Senate approved anywhere. It was historic. And and he asked her, like, do you support, you know, basically giving children hormones to transition? Dr. Levine, do you believe that minors are capable of making such a life-changing decision as changing one's sex? Well, Senator, thank you for your interest in this question. Um, transgender medicine is a very complex and nuanced field um, with robust research and uh, standards of care that have been developed. And if I am fortunate enough to be confirmed as the Assistant Secretary of Health, I would look forward to working with you and your office and coming to your office and discussing the particulars of the standards of care for transgender yeah, medicine. The specific question was about And she was like, I will talk to you about the best medical practices around transition because you clearly don't understand them. She was trying to not say... <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> yeah. But like he, he just kept driving home this point. And a lot of people will do that. They'll say like you're helping kids transition when it's the opposite is true, right? Like you just give kids puberty blockers and then you're like, okay, just we're just we're going to prevent you from going through puberty because if you if you go through puberty, like the chances that you're going to feel extreme mental duress um are very high, you might become suicidal. So we just give you this, you write it out, <laughs> and then when you're old enough, you make the decision with your healthcare providers, like, right? And we leave it at that. And we should be pretty clear that there is good research showing that giving puberty blockers decreases the risk of suicide in trans kids. Yeah, it does. But when you're thinking, if you don't know... The facts, and you're saying we're giving all this medication to children, um, we're transitioning children, and like, if that's what people are telling you, that sounds scary and weird, right? Like we don't, we don't know. Like we only know what we know, and so um, it's really easy, right? If you've never looked a trans kid in the face, like that is, it's hard to imagine. Like, what does a transgender child look like? It's like, oh, they look like a child or just like a cute kid. In Montana, I was watching this testimony from a woman named Barbara Earhart, who had come in from Idaho, 
And she seemed really passionate about the idea of keeping trans kids out of sports. I grew up uh, in the 70s, and as I was growing up, opportunities for girls and women were very much limited. People have asked me, what is it that you want to do when you grow up? And what I told everybody I wanted to do is I said I wanted to play sports. And I literally was told, that's not what girls do. And it was it was interesting to watch her just to sort of see the language she used. You know, she didn't use words like trans girl or trans woman. She was talking about biological males, which it was just she was just hammering that home. In pursuing this dream, I know firsthand of the things of which I speak. There is an absolute difference between men and women. And you know, one of the things I've noticed as we've been talking about this subject has become very myopic. It's been this idea that, you know, gosh, by allowing a biological male to participate on a girl's team, let's take a high school girl's basketball team where we have, say, 12 spots, that we're only displacing one young lady. But you have to understand that I think it's far more than that because of the advantages that women gain by participating in sports. And she was sort of dressing up these conservative ideas as somehow feminist, where, you know, she was talking about how as a woman, you know, she benefits from the advancement that she's had, and this could somehow set people like her back. That's been a talking point for a really long time. In fact, I went to... Anchorage, Alaska in, goodness, it would have been 2018 now, and they were passing an anti-trans, but they were trying to get an anti-trans ballot measure passed by popular vote. And when they were approaching people to sign their petition for it, they actually weren't even asking people about trans people at all. They were asking people, do you want to keep biological males out of girls' dressing rooms and bathrooms. Huh. And a lot of people we found in looking at this had signed both the ballot measure to support trans people and the ballot measure to keep biological males out of girls' dressing rooms because they didn't know that the two issues were... It's like a trick. ...competing, right. The, the reality is, like, biological males is not a scientific term. Like, it doesn't... It doesn't mean anything. It's not accurate. Part of that is because sex is actually a spectrum, right? We have intersex people and people can physically transition, right? Medically transition. So that's, it's an inaccurate term, but um, it's also deeply disrespectful, right? Like to misgender someone. Yeah. And then I wonder, like, how would you enforce some kind of trans ban? with kids in sports. Like, are you going to check biology at the door? Like, who even wants that? Like, who does that help? In, in setting up these sort of sex testing scenarios is that you actually end up barring a lot of cisgender women from competition also, uh, if that is your goal. Um, it's really medically invasive to sex test children, right? Um, to suggest subject kids to that kind of testing. And a lot of people argue it's it's actually very traumatizing to put a kid through that in order to play sports. I think a lot of kids would rather not. So are you going to start banning um, 
kids who are not transgender or kids who are intersex but may not know it from playing sports. Like, where do you draw the line? Gender and sex is not as binary as we would like to think. I think a lot of us grew up with those notions, but if you're going to get into the medical divide of that, it's not that simple, right? And so that's a really fraught concept if that is truly what you're trying to achieve. When we come back, why the path to success for these anti-trans bills is so narrow. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Amid this rash of intense anti-trans laws, Kate does see a little bit of hope. They say the reason these laws keep appearing is because of the increased visibility of the trans community, and that creates a push and pull. Kate's confident that public opinion is turning in favor of trans Americans. The human rights campaign did a lot of polling right around the election and found that in swing states, among Trump voters, they overwhelmingly supported LGBTQ rights. And even when it came to trans issues and some of these issues like allowing transgender people to, you know, live freely and openly and access affirming medical care. And they asked, you know, do trans athletics like rank for you as as a campaign issue? And pretty much everyone was like, no. Um, And so the data shows that for the most part, um, conservative voters aren't too concerned about regulating transgender people. So there is a question about why are all these bills, you know, being used to sort of galvanize the Republican Party at this moment? Bills like this are just generally unpopular. And so they've historically been very unsuccessful. North Carolina passed an anti-trans bathroom measure in 2016 and faced enormous economic losses and they had to quickly repeal it because the writing was on the wall so quickly. And ever since then, people have been really hesitant to pass another anti-LGBTQ bill because they know that the country is going to punish them for it. So you've made a good case for the fact that there 
is a ton of anti-trans legislation out there. But then at the same time, a lot of it isn't succeeding. So it's becoming this weird thing (laughs) that exists. But it's really unclear to me, is this becoming mainstream Republican orthodoxy now or something else? There is a real reason why this is happening. Um, I mean, one is, yeah, there are these extreme anti-LGBTQ groups who are going to fight this no matter what. This is something that they believe in. They're going to push it into state legislatures. They have a lot of money and a lot of power. The other piece of this is Democrats may control Congress and the White House, but the Supreme Court is a 6-3 conservative court. And so if one of these bills, now, you know, the Idaho bills were were challenged in court and didn't go anywhere. But if one of these bills, you know, gets elevated to the right circuit, these groups, I think, feel like they have a real shot of doing some real damage on on LGBTQ rights laws. And and I think that's a real possibility. So so this is not like, you know, this is a total waste of time and whatever. I think there are actually, there's a real strategy here to to flood the courts and to see what can happen now that there's a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court. You know, we saw statements from justices that they wanted to overturn marriage equality. So there is, there is for sure a strategy and um, it's not just a culture war. Hmm. It seems like a dangerous strategy though. Like I remember reading an article last year about the gubernatorial election in Kentucky and how it was being used as a text case for anti-trans advertising. The argument they were making was the Democrat, Andy Bashir wanted boys to be able to compete on girls' sports teams. And a ton of ads went out. And then the Democrat won. <laughs> so it just made me wonder, like, okay, you could get this to the Supreme Court, but do you want to do that? Do you want to give people a reason to not vote for you? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it is inevitable. The country is is changing on this. People have a less and less tolerance for entertaining these kinds of, of bills and these kinds of policies because more and more we we just know trans people. And like I said, the medical community is just really rock solid and established on this. There's not, you know, we can say all day long that this is up for debate and that this is controversial. As the media becomes comfortable with that and understands that, it's just um, a matter of time before this kind of becomes passe. Yeah. I feel like you can see it in what's happening to these bills. Like I was I was reading about what happened in Utah where the Republican governor basically quashed an anti-trans bill. He's like, I'm not signing this thing. These kids are, they're just trying to stay alive. You know, there's a reason none of them are playing sports. Um, and so it's, I, I just, I just think there's a better way. Um, and, and, I, and I hope that there will be enough grace in, in our state to, to find, um, to find a, a better solution. I, I don't understand all of this. And I, I, I don't, it was interesting to listen to the lawmakers there because you could hear them struggling aloud 
with this major change that's happening in a social dynamic that they've grown up with and sort of struggling with thinking about, is the law the right way to address it? You know, there was one lawmaker who said, you know, I hate the bill. I know people who are trans, family members, friends of mine. I have people I know who are trans, family members, uh, friends of mine who I desperately love. And yet I have this biological understanding of human development that throws that into stark contrast. And I don't know how to reconcile the two. And I thought, at least this lawmaker is being honest about where they're at, which is a moment of huge change. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, like, as we get into professional athletics, certainly there's a question to be had. Like, you know, I'm a non-binary trans person, and I, thank goodness, have no interest in sports for myself. But, like, more and more of us identify as non-binary. Like, sports are segregated binarily. Like, there is a question about, you know, how do you have teams as the world, you know, expands for people of all kinds of genders? Like, that's a question that that sports are going to have to grapple with. And that's real. And, like, there's going to have to be conversations about that. And, and they're going to be difficult conversations that we can't run away from. But, like, if we were to assume the humanity of each one of us and embrace the humanity of each one of us, I, we'd just be a lot better off. Kate Sosin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Kate Sosin is a reporter at The 19th. You can check out their reporting at 19thnews.org. And that's the show. What Next is produced by Daniel Hewitt, Elena Schwartz, Davis Land, Mary Wilson, and Carmel Delshad. Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery are the conductors on this train. And I am Mary Harris. You can see the groundhog that lives in my backyard on Twitter, at Mary's desk. And if that's not your jam, or even if it is, I will catch you back here tomorrow. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.